0: Welcome, welcome, chalk and mathematicians. It's the Improbable Research Podcast. I'm Mark Abrams, editor of the magazine Annals of Improbable Research. This is all about research that makes people laugh then think. If you like what you hear today, consider supporting us at our website, improbable.com. Now, here's biologist Danny Adams. What's the title of this paper?
1: Chalk, colon, Materials and Concepts in Mathematics Research.
0: That's Chalk, C-H-A-L-K.
1: Chalk, C-H-A-L-K.
0: And this was from 2011.
1: There was a preprint from August 2011 by Michael J. Barony and Donald Mackenzie. They are at the University of Edinburgh School of Social and Political Science. This begins with a description of one of the first people who ever used a chalkboard. It says, Chalk in hand, his formulas expressed themselves. It seemed more easily on the board than they were able to with pen in his notebooks. For in his listeners' presence... His fecund genius found again a new zeal, and a ray of joy illuminated the lines of his face when the proof he sought to render understandable struck his audience with obviousness. This is describing Cauchy, who was an important mathematician.
0: And that was a quotation of somebody else describing him. Correct. And that's how they started this paper on chalk.
1: Exactly.
0: Then after the quotation...
1: Chalk and blackboards are ubiquitous in mathematics, education, and research. Chalk figures prominently in the imaginations and daily routines of most mathematicians.
0: You've been around a lot of mathematicians, and you're more or less a mathematician yourself. More or less. More or less. (laughs) How does that statement strike you?
1: I'm not sure I would say that chalk and blackboards figure prominently in my kind of thinking, but I kind of miss them now in the days of... Rewritable whiteboards?
0: Let's skip ahead to page 10, at which point they say...
1: It matters little that the full measure of the blackboard's glory is confined to the narrow environs that lend it its profound influence. In the pregnant space between chalk and slate, there reposes a germ of the bursts of inspiration, triumphs of logic, and leaps of intuition that dominate mind-centered accounts of mathematics.
0: Boil that down to a few words, poetry. if you could. <laughs> That's how you boil it down. You say poetry.
1: It's poetry. And it's actually accompanied by a photograph of blackboards.
0: Describe that photo for us, please.
1: It's taken from a student's point of view, and it's one of those old-fashioned kind where you could lower some down and raise some up so that you didn't have to erase what you'd already written.
0: You have memories of those blackboards?
1: I do, and of being too short to reach them, to pull them down when I needed them.
0: Huh. Any specific memory that you would like to share with everyone?
1: Well, I know that there was two kinds of people. There were people who, if the board was not completely erased before you started to write over it, it ruined your day. And if the new writing actually touched something left over from the writing that wasn't completely erased, that that was that was a whole week gone in misery.
0: That was one kind of person. That was one
1: kind of person. And the other? Couldn't have cared less. Will I ye- unfortunately- was in the former. I always wanted to jump up and erase the little bits and pieces. That Did you ever the do it? Missed. I didn't. I didn't. I had no burst of inspiration, triumph of logic, or leap of intuition that showed me how I could do that without disturbing the class.
0: Hmm. Let's leap ahead to page fifteen.
1: The logic of blackboard writing governs misstatements as well as omissions. When the speaker reconsidered a statement and deemed it false, the offending marks could be rubbed out without incident, preserving the veracity of the blackboard record. The dusty traces of the statement's removal cue those few taking notes by pen or pencil in the audience as to which items have been removed so they can appropriately modify their own transcripts.
0: Back when you were a student, did you appreciate that all of this was apparently going on when somebody was writing on a blackboard in the classroom I, in front of you?
1: I was ignorant of this. I, it, it's it's lending a new sense of profound regret to my youthful ignorance of the importance of the pregnant space between chalk and slate.
0: I'm amazed to hear you say this. <laughs> When you were a student, say when you were about 14, if somebody had said to you the words that you just (laughs) said right now, how would you have reacted?
1: Um, I might have tried to be polite, but there would have been some pretty serious snickering there.
0: Ah, okay. They say something else. They do. They say a lot of other things. The
1: emotion behind this is is just delicious.
0: Well, read it with that emotion. If you you can do it without without driving yourself into a frenzy. Okay. (laughs)
1: I don't know. This is pretty frenzy-inducing. The availability of different modes of erasure also has narrative consequences. Minor corrections can be made using the side of one's hand to erase small areas of the board, while producing an audible thud that preserves the ongoing sequence of words and board sounds in the speaker's story. Larger erasures, however, must be made with a separate instrument whose use requires the interruption of such discursive sequences.
0: What's going through your mind as you read these words that were written in this paper?
1: I'm, um, I'm wondering if this writer really did want to be a poet or someone who was writing about art in the Renaissance, or the language is, is, you know, the the attempt to bring emotion to a discussion of writing math in chalk on a blackboard. It's a really good try. It's hard to think of any other way this could be put, is what I'm trying to say. Is it? Yes. I would not be able to write this way about chalk.
0: This paper is 30 pages long, all on this same topic.
1: Yes, and that, by the way, includes six pages of cited references.
0: We will race ahead to page 19.
1: Page 19. This, I think, is the most important illustration. I'm going to describe this to you now. This is a photograph of one of the author's desks, and it's covered with paper. And there's little notes stuck up on the file cabinet and books piled on top of each other and paper on the floor. And this really does capture something very true about academics' workspaces. What does
0: it capture?
1: <laughs> it seems to capture something that has nothing to do with chalk. And I think it's the the juxtaposition of this desk with the empty chalkboard that has so much potential. And yet this desk, which is the primary place of working, really, is cluttered and 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 lacks the narrative arc that you can build on. Do
0: you feel for. that the spirit of the paper has got into you to the point where you now sound like the writing in the paper? Yeah. What do you mean by yeah?
1: I, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm caught up in the joy of the writer and the joy that the writer takes in chalk. My understanding is that he has continued to lecture about chalk and chalkboards.
0: What do you mean by caught up?
1: It's it's entered my head. It's changing the way I it. When you
0: first walked into this room, you yeah. told me you feel like you've got a cold today.
1: I do. I I definitely have some allergies going on. And and earlier, There's a,
0: and then you looked at this paper, I, and that entered your head too.
1: I I. It's was crowded ready in for there. A nap, and now I'm just ready to um, read more.
0: You had a runny nose and all. Is that cleared up? Reading this paper,
1: I, apparently it's um. The reading I think This is a powerful work.
0: Let's skip yeah. way ahead down toward the end of the paper, page 25, which is just before we would have gotten to the six pages of references at the very end. Here
1: we go. Yes.
0: A dramatic reading of okay. the bottom of page 25.
1: A staggering proportion of mathematicians' work goes into decoding published papers to create functional intuitions and understandings and, conversely, into encoding those intuitions in the accountable forms in which they will be credited as genuine.
0: That was a long sentence. Could you say what they're saying here, but in a lot fewer words?
1: Mathematicians spend a lot of time reading published papers and incorporating the information so they understand it.
0: Okay. Now say that in fewer words.
1: Uh, Mathematicians read and remember a lot of papers. And use chalk. This is why, in their words, this is why chalk and seminars are so important. This is why chalk and seminars are so important. They give researchers shared partial access to what is so obviously missing from official accounts of completed work, namely the experienced material performance of mathematics in action.
0: If you'd been able to read this paper when you were, say, 14 years old, how might that have changed you?
1: I am truly a nerd, and I always got crushes on mathematicians, and I think this might have made me think twice.
0: Twice involves a number.
1: Well, I'm mathematical. I like numbers.
0: You've been listening, if you've been listening, to a genuine episode of the Improbable Research Podcast. Biologist Danny Adams joined us today on the adventure walk we took into the research literature. I invite you to subscribe to the magazine, The Annals of Improbable Research. Six new issues a year. Get yourself some back issues, too. You can discover all sorts of stuff like we looked into today. Also, get lots of details about the Ig Nobel Prizes, uh, upcoming events, what's in the magazine, and about how you can help and be part of it via our Patreon. All this at our website, improbable.com. It's possible that seth glicksman is the improbable production assistant next time on this podcast we will look at something or other until then
1: goodbye goodbye